Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Welcome to Smart People Podcast. Insert tagline here. I'm Chris Stemp. Got a great show for you today. We're going to teach you how to be creative. I'm going to try and get this intro banged out here quick because it's less than an hour till NFL championship weekend starts. Uh, I think I'm going with Seattle in the first game and then I'm just hammering the Colts second game. So by the time you listen to this, you will know if I made money or if my wife hates me. That's neither here nor there. Let's talk about creativity. Our guest this week is Dave Burse. And here's what I loved about Dave. Here's how I found him. His most recent book is titled A User Guide to the Creative Mind, Understanding Where Ideas Come From and Helping You Have More of Them. But the cover of the book is so interesting. I was like, well, got to find out who that guy is. And it turns out Dave was this kind of big wig in the advertising industry for many years, I think close to 20 And he left because, as we all kind of know, advertising used to be fun and sexy and they could do really cool stuff. But now, as he says, it's not really effective anymore because anybody can do it. These big ad firms aren't really necessary. And there's so much content coming at us that we don't really care most of the time anyways. But he's a creative at heart. So he left and now he does a multitude of things. He writes, obviously. He started his own web series, web TV series called Day Before Tomorrow. He also started the One Day Code School. The best part about this episode, or one of the best parts, is right away, the first thing we start talking about. It's not really creativity, but we just talk about purpose and passion, something that we love here. And his take on it, his humor, his accent, I think it's British or something, it just adds to it all. Really fun guy, smart guy, and I think we just need to nourish our creativity more either for ourselves, for the companies we work in, and that's what we talk about for the majority of this episode. Also, very quickly, the Kindle version of his book is currently on sale for $0.99 on Amazon. It just went down. He emailed me a couple weeks ago. It was like 10 bucks or something. 
I don't know why he dropped it. He said 2015, he just wanted to do it. As you'll hear in the interview, he's not really concerned about money. That's not the point. He's out there trying to change people's minds and get them to create. So he dropped the Kindle version at 99 cents. There's a link at smartpeoplepodcast.com on this post to take you right there. And thank you guys for tweeting to us and leaving comments on iTunes. You think it goes unnoticed, but I promise you, John and I had a conversation about how much fun it's been to connect with people on Twitter. We're at Smart People Pod. We love it when you do a shout out. Tell you know, talk to our guests on there. Shoot them a tweet. See what happens. Whatever it is, and then the comments on iTunes. Special shout out to Mebug One One Two for the five star. Love this podcast and Skyler with the dollar sign. I think that's like Kesha. Uh, again, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Hope you enjoy our 170-something episode of Smart People Podcast with Dave Burst. Hope you end up more creative. Let's go Colts. Dave, thanks for being on the show. You and I were, were chatting a little bit prior to recording here, and we we missed some, some gold. So I want to, <laughs> you know, I want to get into that. We were discussing... Um, risking maybe a corporate job or a big job, which we've both been in, to go off and do things on our own. And I wanted you to to tell our audience what you said about uh, why you want to accumulate different experiences and do things that you believe in. Well, yeah. Thanks so much, Chris. Um, uh, hello, listeners. Um, <laughs> so when I, I've worked for some great big companies, and one of the things that happens when you're working inside great big companies is you can only succeed according to the box that they have created to allow you succeed within. And I kind of didn't really feel comfortable with that, which is why I find it very difficult to actually uh, work within an organization. I am relatively unemployable. Um, but I've, I've just said yes to lots of things through my life because I want to be the most interesting person in the old folks' home, mm -hmm. when it comes time for me to be uh, ogling the lovely young nurses and uh, getting medication and bed baths, I want to have more interesting stories than any of the other wrinkly old gits who are in that old folks' home with me. And um, that's kind of what I'm doing, I think, at the moment. I, I like to say yes to things. I say yes to things that scare me. I say yes to things just for the experience of them, just for what I learn from them. And a lot of the stuff that I do, I don't earn any money out of, but I do it for the experience. And that to me is so much more important than filling up a bank account because when the time comes and uh, you're, you're in that old folks home, that's lovely sort of retirement village, money at that point doesn't really mean very much. There's not that much difference between somebody who's a billionaire uh, in that situation and somebody uh, who is scraping by. Um, you're in the same position and the only riches you have left at that point are your stories. Yeah. So I just I'm... hope that my mind is intact. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. And I mean, you know, that's a crapshoot these days. But no, that's I, I love that because, again, it's something that I, I believe in a lot. But you have to keep it in perspective if you're a go-getter or an entrepreneur or just a creative you know, because it's brutal. I mean, I think everybody knows that it can be brutal, but knowing why you do it and more specifically realizing it's almost the Buddhist philosophy, which I've been kind of reading up on these days, the idea that it's all impermanent. We're all going out 
the same way we came in, you know, and, and at the end of the day, all you're left with is what you did in this time. And if you enjoyed it, it's not going to be what's in the bank account. Yeah. There's something I've, I've very often said for, for many years is actually my, I, I've got a bit of a mantra in life. And, and I think you have to, when you make decisions, you have to have something to measure your decisions against. And there's a Tom Waits song. Uh, he's got a lyric in it and it says, I want to leave this place better than the way I found it was. And I think that's pretty much as simple as it can be. If, if, if your decision can actually be trying to improve the world in some way, or at least improve yourself or, or an, another individual's life in some way, then I, I think if you measure things in that way, it's a, it's a much healthier way to make decisions rather than what most people do. And I, I've heard you talking about this on the show before, that you felt that you had to go into a job to earn lots of money because that's what the world expected of you. That's kind of people's idea of success. And that's a really rubbish way to measure success. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not to do with the uh, expectations and, and doing things because other people uh, imagine that you should do that. It's doing things because it's, it's the right thing for yourself. And I, I'm not a particularly spiritual person. Um, I'm very, uh, uh, I, I've got a lot of, sympathy with Buddhism. Um, but I, I think there is this, this idea that, you know, we, we're human beings, let's make decisions as humans and, and try and enjoy this, this journey to the, um, the rectangular wooden box at the end, uh, to try and enjoy it as much as we can on the way. Absolutely. And the thing you mentioned about money, I've been, again, I, it still creeps up. I mean, I've done work, my own mental work on money for about a decade now, because prior to that, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire by 30. That's just what happens. I just knew it until I wasn't and a lot worse things happened. But And so I still deal with it. But what I've come to, what conclusion I've come to and the way I deal with it now and I, I feel at peace is money is simply the easiest way to you know, the easiest way and society's way to keep score. It's just the easy way. It's not the right way. It's not the best way. But it's like, if you have no other aspirations, you can say, well, if I make a lot of money, I did something right. And so you avoid having to do any deep digging, any work, because you can always say, well, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my, you know, my parents, myself. But it's just an easy way to keep score. You're absolutely right. I, I wouldn't agree more. I don't know. I just had to get that out. So anyways, uh, to the <laughs> listeners, this is Dave. He's, he's, <laughs> he's the author of A User Guide to the Creative Mind, Understanding Where Ideas Come From and Helping You Have More of Them. And I, I first found you through that book because anything talking about creativity sparks my interest. Then the cover, of course. I mean, you judge a book by the cover. I thought that was awesome. And who doesn't want to have more creative ideas? Um, so I want to get into that, but first I was hoping you give us a little background. We touched on it, but you were a bigwig in the advertising industry. <laughs> um, I, I, I was, I, I was some kind of wig. Um, I, I, I don't know if uh, you can ever consider it to be big advertising. <laughs> um, isn't as glamorous as it was when I started in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, it, it certainly changed a lot in that time. Uh, it went from in those days, it was quite glamorous. And um, you would have a, a fair amount of time to work on uh, to, to work on briefs. These days, it's completely changed, and there's less time to work on things. There's more fear in, amongst the clients, and you know the the industry is, is, has changed a lot. 
And I think a lot of the stuff that's done now probably isn't really very effective because we now have so much media out there. So, so these days, um, I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I left advertising about five years ago. And these days I have what you know, people call a portfolio career, which means that you know, I've got corporate attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. You know, I, I actually struggle to stick to one thing. I, I'm too restless. So I run a consultancy, an education company called Additive, where I work with all sorts of organizations, um, doing training for them and uh, sort of trying to work with them to help them become more creative. Um, and I'm the, the founder of OneDayCodeSchool.com, which uh, does exactly what it says, teaches <laughs> people to, to code in a day. Um, and I'm the editor at large for a publication called The Drum, and I still don't know what editor at large means, and I've been doing it for a year and a half, but it's, it sounds good. And I, li- I, I like titles that sound good. Um, I, I speak at conferences all over the world. So I, I recently, uh, last week, I was speaking in New York and then up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and then back in New York again. <laughs> so um, I, I, I do a lot, of, uh, a lot of traveling and speaking. And I teach at colleges and universities around the world as well. Um, and then I've just written, directed and presented a six-part series about how technology is shaking up different industries. So, you know, as a general rule, whatever I'm doing is, is always changing. And if you ask me this question again in six months' time, I'm sure I'll have an entirely different answer. Well, so it's it's really intimidating when people hear that, uh, the, the number of things that you do. And I well, was... I, 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 go ahead. I don't think they should. I, I, I think they should feel very, very lucky. If people are comfortable in the job they're in, I think they should f- feel quite lucky. Um, I'm terribly, terribly restless, which means that it's, it's not sat- being unsatisfied because of money. It's being unsatisfied because there's so much I want to do. I'm just interested in too many things. Right. Okay. And it's, a, it's a problem. Exactly. <laughs> so that that's, I mean, yes, there are the people that have their one thing that they do and they enjoy that. And that's great. Um, I'd say that that probably is a minority of people that listen to the show, but for those, because I'm just like you and, and the idea of just learning a lot of things, it's a, uh, what, I don't know. It's a blessing and a curse. How do you deal with that? Because it doesn't fit great with society, although it's better now than I'm sure it was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago if you felt this way, because the internet allows us to do a number of different things. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I think there, there's, there's great uh, opportunities now for um, curious generalists. Uh, I, I think I'm very much of the belief that the, the more you understand, the more different areas you understand, actually, the more you have to draw on to make better decisions. So I think I'd say I've got a, a very broad veneer of knowledge, but um, a lot of the time, not much depth. So I, I can hold conversations with lots of people about lots of different subjects, but actually push me on it, poke me any further, and you'll find that um, actually I haven't really got that much to say about <laughs> any of these areas. But I, I think there there is this... I think it's just this interesting thing, you know. I've, I've sort of said how I want to be the most interesting uh, old person in the in the old folks' home. I, I think it's just part of that. It's just part of that strange condition, and I, I do see that there are more roles for people like us uh, in the world. And I'm certainly finding that being a consultant uh, for some companies actually my breadth of knowledge really, really helps. Mm. Um, and, but also what it is, it's just, it's a general 
attitude that if you need to learn something, you can learn it. So there, there also is that. It's also sort of knowing what you don't know and knowing where to go to find it because you, you can learn. And I know other people have been talking about this on the show. You know, it's just you've just got to constantly be curious and constantly be learning and pick everything up as you go along and do things that scare you uh, because that's the only way you're going to grow. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think curiosity, obviously, the reason we started the podcast is, again, it's so core to myself, core to so many people out there. And unless you nurture it and, and enjoy it, it can seem like a burden almost. And so on that end, again, going back to how it's kind of intimidating how many different things you do, I have two questions. They're kind of one and the same, but how do you deal with all of those different demands? Because as you mentioned, you say yes to a lot of things. You have all these gigs, all these different jobs. I'm in a similar situation. But so if I have four companies, I have four email addresses, which means I have four inboxes, which means I go crazy. And it takes a physical toll sometimes. And I have to get reminded either by myself or my family or my wife or whoever it might be. How do you deal with that? I, I would say, first of all, you lucky, lucky man. I'm up to about 12 or 13 different email addresses. See, exactly. Um, I, I, I bring them all into the one email inbox. Sure. And I don't believe in zero inbox. Uh, I believe in ignoring most things. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the, the truth is that you ask me how I deal with it. The, the, the answer is badly. Um, so, so what happens is that I end up doing things in fits and bursts. And I will concentrate on one part of it that might be a big project until that project's done and then I'll move and, and concentrate on another side of it as well. So so it's it, it's one of these things that I, I if you think that dealing with it well would mean splitting my time equally during a week amongst all of these different things, then no, that's not the way I do it. Mm. So it means that there's different interests that I bring alive at different times according to my own pathetic whims or according to where uh, business happens to be uh, offering me a paycheck. No, I really like that because it seems like, at least on the surface, who knows underneath, but you're kind of at peace with that. And I think the biggest thing is, as you mentioned, when you focus on something, something you decide, I'm going to do this, then you do it. it. Regardless, it might not be the whole thing, but if you're like, I'm going to complete this project, then you complete it. And I think the hump for a lot of people, myself included oftentimes, is not even being able to complete that project without having five more come on my plate. Oh, yeah. You and know? do you know, completion, I've got to be honest, for me, for many, many years, uh, completing things, I was terrible at it. I would start things, I would get going on them, and then a shiny new bobble would come along and I'd, I'd play with that and I'd neglect this other thing until it wasn't worth doing anymore. So I was really, really bad at completing things. And I think it's really probably only in the last uh, five to 10 years that I've become a completer mm. where I've actually really, I've realized that if I need to get things done, you know, if, if I actually want to have something to show for all this effort, I actually have to finish it. And I think I've become quite good at completing things now, but I certainly didn't used to be. And there's so many uh, half-finished projects. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that from what you're saying, I think you're going through a similar thing. And I think a lot of the listeners will probably be able to relate to that as well. Well, that's and, and that's exactly it. I think that's such a key point. It's a realization that I've only just now come to, which is 
you can feel like you're putting all this work in and you can feel, woe is me. I'm doing all this stuff. There's nothing to show for it. But oftentimes in my, with my own work, it's because I didn't finish it. I, and oftentimes it's because putting it out there or wrapping it in that bow or selling it or telling people about it is harder than actually getting it started. And I, although momentum, I think, plays a huge factor, uh, the, the completion process is just as difficult. How did you... Uh, become somebody who actually finishes things? I, I think it was probably from realizing that if I'm lacking a skill somewhere, then if it's not something that interests me and it's going to be, it's going to feel like a chore to pick up that skill, then why bother? Why, why not just collaborate with somebody who already has that skill? So that skill may be organization. I'm, I'm not great at organization. It may be handling money. I'm terrible at handling money. So all, all of these things that I know I'm not good at, I now know to get people involved and will bring people into projects. And I think a lot of the time is, um, is, is getting the right team around you. And th there's, a, there's a wonderful thing in just talking about things that you're doing, sharing your ideas, there's this horrible thing that you'll generally find in business where they say, protect your ideas. You know, you've got to you've got to protect your IP, get somebody to sign a waiver before you share the idea with them, all this stuff. And I used to do that. I, I was an inventor at one point, and, and I would take my, um, I, I'd, I'd take my patent uh, for mm -hmm. sort of one of my inventions, and I'd go to companies to, to share this idea with them, and I'd get them to shine try and get them to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And a lot of the time they didn't want to. And I've realized now that actually I've got no shortage of ideas. Hmm. So just have this red hot chili peppers idea of uh, give it away, give it away now. You know, <laughs> if, 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 you get, if you get something back from it, fantastic. But talk about things, share things and, and, and um, let, people, let people know stuff you're working on. Let them know things you want to do because on the whole, people are actually pretty helpful and are pretty nice. And people get a buzz out of connecting you with somebody they know who might be able to help. And I found that just from sharing ideas and things that I want to do, just talking about them in the most unlikely situations, I will end up getting the most amazing connection that will help me to bring that project to life. We'll be right back to this interview after a quick word from our sponsors. You are a knowledge junkie. I know this because you listen to Smart People Podcasts and you and I are a lot alike. So why not up your learning game with online courses from lynda.com? lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics ranging from web development to design to one of my favorites, business. As a matter of fact, as I'm planning some new content strategies for Smart People Podcast and my nonprofit, I wanted to check out a course on content marketing. Here's a quick blurb from that course taught by expert content marketer, CC Chapman. You're, you can't just create a print ad and hope the world's gonna be excited by it. So content marketing is really strategically looking at what you're doing from a marketing and communications perspective and how are you gonna make images, words, stories that people are gonna wanna share with others. Yeah, I wanna know how to do that. So whether you want to set new financial goals, invest in a new hobby, or try and start a business of your own, lynda.com has something for you. And lynda.com was so generous to offer Smart People listeners a free 10-day trial just to check it out. With this trial, you'll get unlimited access to every course. So give it a shot. There's no cost. See if you like them. See what you learn. 
It's a win-win. That's what we do for you here. Sign up for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. Go to lynda.com slash smart people. I love it. You know, it reminds me of one of my favorite interviews we've done on this show was not too long ago with Roger Hamilton. And he introduced me to his his idea, which is there are four types of genius in the world. And those geniuses basically are, you know, they, they differ in skill sets. So are you good with people, ideas, uh, time frames, and like planning, basically? And I think I always knew that at a at a, you know, vague level. But when you really look at it and what you just said, there are people that enjoy doing the things you don't enjoy. And so that could be a perfect partnership to get you from beginning to end. Yep, uh, absolutely. So I wanted to now move into this creativity, basically. I mean, what we've been talking about definitely helps the creatives. And I'm sure if you're out there, your mind's going a million miles an hour about, oh, I, I can finish this or I can pair up with this person. That's just what we do as creatives. So I wanted to first ask you, have you always considered yourself somebody who just had to create, loved being a quote unquote creative? Yeah, I think just about everything that I've done um, since I left school has involved creativity in some way. Um, I've, my goodness, I've been a session musician. I was a uh, I was a recording engineer. I was a, a stand-up comedian. Um, I, I ended up being a, a breakfast show DJ at one point. Um, and I, I, then I had my sort of long sort of stint in, in advertising that was all about trying to harness your creativity and to be able to be creative on demand, I suppose. So I've always been fascinated with this, particularly in um, in, in creative departments of, of ad agencies, because I could see when I was running departments, I could see who was doing well and who wasn't. And I, I started to, um, about 15 years ago, I was working for a, a big agency. And I, um, for my department, I had some juniors in there that I felt they were coming back with the same kind of formulaic ideas again and again. And I wanted to show them that there was a lot more approaches. So I, I wrote this document for them, which I told them to keep in their bottom drawer. And it was uh, the, the, the creative cheat sheet that they were able to refer to if they find themselves getting in a rut or coming out with the same predictable stuff. Here was challenges. Here were ways of challenging your thinking uh, to come up with totally new ideas. And it, it really worked. And then I put it online and it became quite popular online. And then uh, I, I suppose I, I, turned that into, I turned that into a book. Um, but I've done lots of research over the years as well. I mean, I, I love... Uh, reading up on thinking about how the mind works. And there's some great research we're getting at the moment from brain science. And just since uh, since I wrote the book about three or four years ago, um, some findings have come out about how the brain actually works, how the creative brain actually works. And as part of some of the stuff that I'm doing with, uh, with creating videos, I'm actually, um, I'm wanting to do some stuff with universities. I'm wanting to do some tests. And I, I'm wanting to use myself as a guinea pig and, and some of my friends who are comedians and musicians and, and actually see how our brains work in different situations and see if creativity is one thing or if it's numerous things, because there's so much misunderstanding around this. It's one of the most misunderstood areas. And I think that people who consider themselves to be creative people like artists, like advertising creatives, like musicians, they want to keep that mystique mm -hmm. because that mystique makes them look sexier. 
That's a great point. I never thought of it like that, but and and that actually might be the reason I joked we did a, a promo for the podcast a long time ago and my one quote and we each got one quote was oh my gosh, I think I might actually be creative because I went through 25 years and people would say uh, you know, if I get in some kind of conversation, no, no, I'm not creative. I'm just good with math and I like sports, right? That was just my default because I played sports my whole life and my brother was an actor and a musician. So he was creative. I was athletic, which is fine. Like it was self-imposed. I don't think it was really my parents. It might society, whatever. But eventually I learned, wait a sec, like I love doing new things, learning new things, picking things up. That's what creativity is, in my opinion. How do you believe it's misconstrued in the world? Oh, I, I think in, in, in numerous ways. Um, I think uh, one thing that, that's quite important to me is, is that creativity, you can split very easily what we consider to be creativity in the West. And this is actually quite a Western thing. Um, so, so we consider in the West, that creativity is one thing. And I would like to split that in two. I would like to split it into creative thinking and creative execution. So creative thinking is problem solving. It's being able to attack a problem and come up with a new novel solution to that problem. And there's techniques you can use uh, to do that. And then there's creative execution. You can be an absolutely amazing guitarist, but not be able to write music. And that's being a great creative executor. Um, a lot of classical musicians are fantastic creative executors because what they do is they take other people's compositions that have been created and they execute them in the most beautiful way. Dancing, creative execution. So we have to understand that there's a difference between creative execution and creative problem solving. Creative execution, yes, people might be physiologically uh, built to be a great dancer. Their brain might be wired in such a way that actually music makes complete sense to them. Um, and then on the other side, creative thinking, creative problem solving, anyone can do that and anyone can get better at it. It's not down to this, this niche ability. Well, and I think, you know, that's where this conversation is going to go. You know, I'm really interested in it, especially because the subtitle of your book is understanding where ideas come from and helping you have more of them. And we all want to have more of them. I know you mentioned that creativity is a process. And I don't think enough people hear that, but from your perspective, I'd like to know what you believe that process to be. And I'd imagine it's because in the advertising world, you're basically like given something and then it's, hey, we need something creative out of it. So you have to put some process in place, I would imagine. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's the same for anything that you do. There is a process. And a lot of creatives hate me for saying that there's a process to uh, to creativity because they, they like to think that creativity is this wonderful thing where you sit back in your chair and you put your feet in the desk and you stare out the window and then at some point, bingo, <laughs> you know, here comes the idea. That's it. The problem's solved. Um, and that that whole sort of eureka moment kind of thing isn't actually, it's a lovely thing that can happen, but you have to follow a process to get there. And maybe people are doing the process and not realizing they're doing it. So the first part of the process, um, to me, is actually your habit. If you want to be a great creative person, you have to spot things that other people don't spot. You have to constantly be on the lookout 
um, for new pieces of inspiration, to be seeing things that other people don't see. Because if you only have the same input as everyone else, that's all the stuff that goes into the, the idea hopper that, that can possibly create ideas. You, you need the input before you can get the output. And if you don't have enough input and you don't have very interesting input and you've only got the same input as everyone else, you're only going to come out with the same ideas that everyone else would. So the first thing actually is, is this general input phase, which is, is a habit for your life. And you, you have to be spotting the stuff that other people don't spot. It's collecting dots is what I call it. And, and you've got to collect the dots uh, before you can connect them. Then the, the next level is, is actually you kind of define what the, the problem is that you're solving. So at that point, you're, uh, you're collecting some very specific dots about that problem. And then what you do is you start to think about them. And when you start to think about them, at this point, you're kind of using your conscious brain, that, that part of the brain where all the voices are telling you to kill, kill, kill. <laughs> you know, the, 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 you, this is the place where you hear the voice. It's kind of in the, the, the frontal lobe of your brain. Um, and, and that's a very good part of your brain for doing quite obvious connections. And what the frontal part of your brain does is it, short, it stores recent input you've got which is why very often when you start thinking about a problem, it might be a, a TV show you saw a couple of nights ago that ends up coming, being the thing that helps you come up with that solution. And that's great. But what it's doing is it's only giving you quite recent material to work with. Um, and, and conscious connections are generally quite obvious uh, connections. Now, that might solve the problem. And that's great. But the most important thing about it is you don't take your first idea. Uh, you, you need to keep going and you want to come up with as many ideas as possible. You keep digging, keep digging, keep digging. And what happens is you reach a plateau. And at that point, you, you ever had that thing where you kind of like slap your hand against your head and kind of go, oh, think, 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 come on, come on, think. And, and, and you're desperately trying to make yourself think. You're never going to think like that because you're in a, you're in a place of stress. Your brain is in absolutely the wrong state to make new interesting connections. So what you do at that point is you need to take a break and step away. And, and um, at that point, you've kind of found the edges. If, if you've thought about the problem enough, you, you've kind of discovered the edges of where this problem is and where the potential solutions could come from. And you go away, you do something else, you apply your front brain to something completely different. And then you come back the next day or when you've had a sufficient rest and you keep working on it. And there's one of the things that they found with brain science. There's a beautiful thing that happens um, or can happen if you're if you're lucky enough. And that's when an idea comes to you and you kind of it's, it's just this it is a little bit like that eureka moment. The hairs go up in the back of your neck and an idea comes to you and, and really quite formed very often. And do you ever find this that ideas will come to you when you've just woken up in the morning or if you're you're having a shower? Or you're, or you're on the bus, maybe. You know, usually for me, it's um, there's two times when, I, as I'm falling asleep, and yep. when, and when I'm driving, that's the biggest one for me. Honestly, I find it so wow. weird. Yeah. Well, do you know part part of the reason for that because that that fits in with what happens here is that there there's a, an area on in your right part of your brain. Uh, just above your ear, and it's called the anterior superior temporal gyrus, and they've discovered um, just in the last few years using uh, MRI scans that just before a moment of insight, there's increased blood flow to this area of the brain. Now, that only happens when your brain is in alpha state. In other words, when you're relaxed, which is why ideas come to people 
when you're relaxed. You feel quite relaxed and comfortable in your car. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah. So so there you go. It's a it's a it's a an environment you're comfortable in. You're 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 relaxed when you're there. When you're going to bed at night, again, you're relaxed as you're going to sleep. And and it's at those moments that um, your brain is in the right stage for the back brain to throw its idea because it's been working on the problem as well. It can throw the idea onto the projector of your front brain. And that's when you get that solution. Now, you can only get those eureka kind of moments if you have done all the groundwork in advance. I, so, I think that's key, right? Absolutely. So so it's not something that happens. Very often what happens is companies um, will say, hey, we'll have a brainstorm. I, I hate brainstorms. <laughs> I, I hate uh, the, the way that brainstorms are conducted in companies. The, the thinking behind them isn't wrong. It's the way they're conducted is wrong. Um, and, and they think, hey, we, we'll have a brainstorm. And we'll, we'll just spend an hour in a room. You're only getting first thoughts. And you're getting first thoughts from people who are, um, they're all in a room They've just heard the problem for the first time, which is the absolutely wrong way to do it. And the kind of there's lots of other people in the room, so they know that actually there's people are going to judge them for what they're going to say. So they're not going to say anything too outlandish. Uh, they're all a bit controlled, and maybe their boss is there. And if you've got any layer of fear, fear is the one thing that kills ideas. Um, so there can be these horrible things, and then there's kind of a bit of a sort of laziness where. Um, there's a diffusion of responsibility because you've got lots of people there. Therefore, it doesn't feel as if the pressure's on you to come up with ideas and to come up with anything excellent. So you, you measure it in the wrong way as well. And, and what happens is um, th there's this horrible thing as said, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Actually, most ideas are bad ideas. Mm -hmm. And saying that out loud is a bad idea. Um, so they've discovered that actually, if you get the same amount of people in a brainstorm, and get them to go away and work individually by themselves for the same amount of time and come back with their ideas. You get far better ideas, you get far more diverse ideas, and you get far more ideas from doing that than you ever could in a brainstorm. So brainstorms actually are a bit of a lazy waste of time so that companies and people in companies can say, hey, well, well, well you know, I've got lots of people to think about this. And it's a way of almost covering your backside. Hey, I've done this. I've, 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 I've done what I need to do. Other people were involved, so therefore it's not just my fault that it's rubbish. And now it's time for our awesome sponsors who support Smart People Podcast. You all have heard me raving about one of the best home automation systems out there. It's called SmartThings. SmartThings was one of Time Magazine's best gadgets in 2014, and in 2015 they were named CES 2015 Editor's Choice. SmartThings allows you to monitor, control, and automate your home from wherever you are using your smartphone. What kind of cool things can you do with SmartThings, you ask? Well, here you go. You can easily find where you left your keys in the house. I mean, honestly, how helpful would that be? You can turn on a light or a stereo in response to motion at night. Do you have a pesky cat that jumps on your kitchen table? Just use your smart thing to enable your speakers to broadcast dogs barking. And if you feel like the mom and dad from Home Alone, you can use smart things to know whether you left your garage door open or closed. Right now, smart things is offering smart people podcast listeners 10% off any of its home security or solution kits by going to smartthings.com slash smart people. Head over there today and get 10% off any home security or solution kit and get free shipping in the U.S. when you go to smartthings.com slash smart people. 
You know, it's so interesting about the brainstorm thing. I, I wish I knew where I read this very recently, but again, it was talking about why brainstorming's not that good. And it said because brainstorms are often run by people who talk the most, just the most assertive yes. type A. And, you know, it's at least 50-50 that, that both types of personalities have good ideas and possibly even more so those that are slightly more introverted have better ideas. But they almost never get heard for fear of exactly what you said, uh, being, being, you know, sounding stupid or being wrong or just that alpha male or female in the room overruling them. You're absolutely right. And actually, the people who are the most certain about what one of their ideas are actually the people I distrust the most. Mm. Um, it's, it's the people who aren't sure about stuff. That is usually the more interesting stuff, which is, I don't know if this would work, but maybe we could try. You know, that, that kind of stuff I'm far more interested in. The people who are, are, are sure about an idea very often are saying, well, you know, but this other company did it here. And, and you know, it's, it's a great idea. They've, they've done it. Why, why don't we, you know, you're not coming up with anything fresh. So, so there's, I, I'm actually quite, um, I'm quite skeptical about people who are too confident, um, because the one thing that I've learned from being in business for for many years is we're all making this stuff up as we go along. <laughs> you know what? I have learned that too, and it, I mean, just recently, I think it takes a certain amount of experience, but also just uh, a lot, you know, confidence to to say, wait a second, okay, I've I've met some quote unquote successful people or, you know, big time or whatever. We're all just people kind of going along, coming up with stuff. Some works, some doesn't. And when you realize that it takes a lot of the pressure off. Yeah. There, there was a very famous ad man in the 1950s, 1960s, who you may have heard of Bill Bernbach. And Bill Bernbach was considered to be the father of creative advertising. Before that, all the stuff was of uh, happy nuclear American families uh, with their thumbs up smiling mm -hmm. in a really cheesy way. You know, that, that was advertising before uh, people like him came on the scene and suddenly started to get interesting ideas. Um, and he was very good. He was considered to be you know, like an advertising god uh, when, when he was around. And he used to carry uh, a little card in his top pocket. And during meetings, he would take this card out of his pocket and he would have a look at it and then put it back in his pocket. And for years, nobody knew what was on this card. Well, so the story goes. And one day, a, a journalist said, look, I've heard this story about you having a card that you take out in meetings. Uh, could you mind, would you mind telling me what's on the card? And he just pulled it out of his pocket and handed it to the journalist. And all it said on it was, they might be right. <laughs> and I think that that's a really important thing to have this understanding that maybe I'm wrong. Um, other people might have a... A, a sort of better idea here and, and I think being being open to that I think is really really important because you're right there's a lot of loudmouths out there who will take over meetings and they'll do it because they want to be heard and they want to be seen to be smart and these are the very people who probably have the least smarts in them absolutely well and you touched on this a while ago but I was wondering if you did have any kind of quick tips or techniques that we could use perhaps to help us um, spark our creativity oh yeah I mean lots um, there, there, there's one is a sort of classic thing that people who are talking about creative techniques will will tell you is is change the frame or change the scale so one of the things that you can do is you make your problem really, really insurmountably massive. Now try and fix it. Or you make your problem just incredibly small. Now try and fix it. Um, or, or ask yourself, how would, I, how would I solve this problem if I had 50 years to work on it? 
uh, or how would I solve this problem if I only had 10 minutes? Another good thing to do is to actually, if you think, oh, this other person here would solve it so much better than me, be, be an actor. Imagine, well, how would they solve it? Put yourself in their shoes. What's the kind of solution that they would come up with? And very often you'll find that you do come up with a kind of solution that they might have come up with. And this time you've come up with it by pretending to be them. <laughs> and uh, that that's it's, it's a great way so so be an actor and put yourself in, in someone else's shoes and solve the problem as if you were um richard branson or, or warren buffett or whoever else so there's so many uh techniques you can do and and uh, sort of turning things on their head what's the opposite or, or or creating an enemy and one of the things in advertising you'd often find you'd think that the enemy of coke was pepsi but actually these days it's not the enemy of coke is healthy eating, is people who are the anti-sugar lobby. It is um, people who are complaining about uh, international trade, all sorts of things that actually that is the enemy of Coca-Cola. It's not Pepsi. So it, it's interesting to find an enemy and to beat up the enemy as well. So, so many techniques and there's lo loads of things in the book uh, that, that sort of talk about these. I'm I'm always trying to collect more. Sure. Um, and uh, and maybe if if anyone's got any other techniques that aren't in the book, then send them to me. I'd I'd, I'd love to put them in a, an, an updated version of the book that actually uh, I'll, I'll credit you in for your genius. <laughs> there there you go. And again, that's a user guide to the creative mind. And I also wanted to talk about your newest, I believe you can't keep track, but your newest project, uh, day <laughs> you know day before tomorrow TV. And I was lucky enough to get an insider's look. I just watched a few nights ago the episode on education. It was fantastic. I, I love, I just love the medium, right? I love the way you approach it, the interviews, how you bring people on. So tell, in your words, tell our audience what it is, what Day Before Tomorrow TV is. Yeah, thank you. It's, um, it's basically six half-hour shows that are looking at how technology is affecting different areas of business. And, and it's about how technology is affecting business right now. So it's not about the stuff that's way, way in the future when, uh, when the hover cars are, are coming out. It's about stuff that's actually happening right now. And there really are some mind-blowing things that are just set to have big impacts in our world. And, and we also sort of look at problems that need to be solved as well. And so we're covering six different areas. So we've got six half-hour shows that look at health, education, entertainment, uh, smart cities, if you can possibly consider that to be an industry, uh, retail, and money. And I've been so lucky where I've got to meet some incredible people, just interviewed top, top people in these areas, from politicians to, to one of my real musical heroes, uh, from a founder of a bank to a guy who invents organisms for NASA. <laughs> you know, really uh, mind-blowing people. Um, and, and, like, uh, and like you and John, you know, I, I just love talking to frighteningly smart people. And I'm, I'm just sorry that in this podcast you've ended up with me because all of my, all of my guests were a heck of a lot smarter than me. <laughs> and you should probably get all of them in the podcast. <laughs> now, that's, of course, that's not the case. But we will, we will steal your guest list if at all possible. <laughs> Please but. do. So in, in coming up with that, I mean, where did that come from and, and how did you embark on this journey of creating a miniseries? Well, it's something I, it's through my um, relationship with the drum. So as the editor at large for the drum, um, there's an opportunity that came through and we partnered with a really, really good agency called Sapient Nitro. 
and and they've supported us through this and and they're sort of um, they've, they've helped give us access to some amazing people and we've interviewed some of the geniuses who work for their company who are incredibly smart people. Um, so so what's, what we did from there is we then went out and it was, it was amazing from when we decided to do it to when we started shooting was about 10 days. So uh, we, we decided that we were going to do it and then um, immediately because South by Southwest was on and we knew that a lot of the people that we wanted to speak to would be at South by Southwest. Uh, we just booked tickets and we just jumped on a plane to South by Southwest. Um, I arranged for a camera crew out there and spent five days uh, doing this, just, just going around talking to the most amazing people. And just people are, I just was so inspired. <laughs> there was, you know, there's some of the guests that afterwards, you, you obviously don't see it in the show, but afterwards I was, I, there was st some of the things he said affected me so much that, you know, I, I almost had tears in my eyes, mm -hmm. just been so, so mind blown by this. There's a couple of guests afterwards. I ended up giving a hug, <laughs> you know, after the interview, yeah. just like, I just hugged them and just said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you have just taught me so much. Um, so I'm hoping that because a lot of what they've said is that it's such a profound effect on me um, that we'll, it'll also do that to uh, the viewers. And what we're doing is we have created the shows as if they are broadcast shows. So they're half hour shows and they are actually ready for broadcast. So if there's any broadcasters listening to this, um, have a look at the shows and see if you um, see if you want to broadcast them. Get in touch. We'd love there to talk. There you go. Um, but the important thing for us right now is that we put them out online so that anyone in the world can get access to this information, can get access to these unbelievable people. Because to me, it's more important that um, everyone is, is able to see these things than it is for me to be able to say that, yes, this has been broadcast on whatever channel. Absolutely. Uh, well, and, and where can we go? I know it's not out yet, but I know it's really coming out as of this recording soon. So, so, so what's the so deal I'm with sure that? by the time this goes out, yeah. I'm sure they will they will already be online. Um, it's daybeforetomorrow.tv. It's where you go to. And that, I'm sure by then, will then redirect you to where you'll be able to see the shows um okay perfect so so it's uh it's been just an absolutely incredible journey because as uh, as i've said that i just like to do things that scare me one of the amazing things is i believe that you you do things for the sake of doing it because very often you'll find out why you've done it afterwards the reasons aren't always there at the beginning most people will say well, well why are you doing this uh, you need to have a reason before you start no no just do stuff and, and, and you will work out why you've done it later. And things have come out of this. It's not even online yet. And already I'm, um, I'm in talks about doing a, a BBC series now. So there's, it's unbelievable. That would never have come to me unless I had uh, sort of worked on Day Before Tomorrow. So it's, it's phenomenal. You just do things that terrify you. <laughs> and very often you find out why you've done it afterwards. Because I, it just opens doors. I really like that that idea and that quote. That's one that we're going to break out and put it in the post. Because the whole thing about if you feel like you should be doing something, then do it. And you don't have to know every logical reason. It reminds me, I've gone over this a million times. Our like 13th episode, we interviewed the CEO of Zappos. And he said... If you guys would have set out to get millions of downloads, make a good amount of money, get recognition, really connect with the world, 
you wouldn't have done it. Like, that's just too much. You wouldn't have even started. And we didn't. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't think anybody would listen. If you go into it concerned about all the things it's going to become and why you're doing it, oftentimes that's going to squash the idea before it even happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have got so much riches here in this podcast. Not not this particular podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, I mean, this all, all podcast. The, all, yes, all, all the other podcasts are far more interesting people than me. Um, you have got such um, amazing information there that you can you can turn into a book. Uh, you could take some of this information and you could um, wrap it up to say, here's a proposal for a TV series that we could get some of these people on that can explore areas. Or you know, there's so much that you've got here. Um, you, I want to see you out in the speaker circuit. I want to be bumping into you at conferences around the world. <laughs> I appreciate that because, you know, honestly, up until maybe the past six months, it didn't even occur to either of us. And uh, we've been thinking about it. I mean, we're, we are talking to a publisher about a book and I went and actually gave a few speeches just to dip my toe in the water. And I think for the longest time, it was more of like a who am I to do it? Until I started realizing in everyday conversation, I will quote five different super smart people throughout the world. And I'm like, wait a sec. This is a message that, although it might not be mine solely, uh, I think it could be condensed into something that other people want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dave, first, I want to say thank you for being on the show. And second, thank you, Chris. yeah, I want to um, give you a minute because you have so many things going on. But I, as I <laughs> mentioned, I, I love what you do. I watched that that episode and those are, are out or coming out, depending on when this goes live. Um, could you give kind of a summation of, hey, guys, if you like this, maybe check this out. Here's what I'm doing. Yeah, certainly. Um I, I kind of, I, I used to do a blog. I don't do much blogging these days. I'm far too busy. Um, I think I work, I work about 10 days a week at the moment. Um, <laughs> and quite seriously, I actually did a, um, I, I totted up recently how much I've worked so far in 2014. And it comes to just under two and a half years. So, um, is that on like I, a 40 hour work day or I mean, work week? <laughs> what, like it's, it's like on, on eight hour days. Eight yeah, hour day, yep. It comes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, uh, it's a bit crazy how much work I do, but I, I generally try to put things up at, um, davebirse.com, which is kind of my speaker's site. Um, but in there, there's a news section and I'll, I'll put up some of the latest things that I do. So you'll be able to see some links to some talks that I've done and things on there, be able to see where I'm speaking. I don't think I've got much coming up at the moment. Um, and then um, thedrum.com as well. Um, so that's uh, the, the magazine that I'm the editor at large for. Uh, we're also Europe's largest marketing and technology website. Um, and we're, we've got real sort of growing uh, listenership in uh, in the states as well at the moment so we're doing a lot of stuff in the states just now That's incredible. Um, so the com, you'll be able to see uh what i'm involved in there and if you search for me there you'll be able to see one of my experiments actually um i i did an article about a year and a half ago where i did an experiment to see if alcohol makes you more creative so I won't tell you the results you oh, go, uh, on the site <laughs> and you can see if alcohol makes you more creative and then run your own experiments. Highly recommend it. I run that experiment um, every night. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and of course, daybeforetomorrow.tv. Leave out the the at the front. So just daybeforetomorrow.tv and you should by this time be able to see the shows live. And I just and on Twitter, just 
Dave Burst on Twitter, D A V E B I R S S. My goodness, I'm going on a bit, haven't I? No, I, no. Yeah, when you just, have I, when you have 15 different businesses, who you know? How do you, how do you pick? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm 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 all over the internet. If you just search for Dave Burst. Um, just make sure you spell my second name right, because if you don't spell it right, you get the the Jewish word for circumcision. Oh, wow! And you'll get something completely different. So, but, uh... so spell it wrong and search for images and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Smart People Podcast. It is not it's recommended. Dave, yeah. not not at work. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Dave Burst B I R S S. So again, Dave, thank you so much for for taking the time out, speaking with us, doing the great things in the world, keeping the creativity alive, and helping people find their I, I really appreciate it, and I look forward to watching the rest of the episodes. I'm really pumped about that. Wonderful. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for all those great questions. Absolutely, Dave. Have a great night. Hello, and welcome back to Smart People Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Dave Burse. Uh, do not forget that you can pick up his book, A User Guide to the Creative Mind, Understanding Where Ideas Come From and Helping You Have More of Them, on Amazon or at your local bookstore. If you're purchasing it on Amazon, you might as well go through our Amazon link, head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com and click the Amazon banner or use the convenient link smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon. If you guys enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Smart People Podcast, please head over to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a rating and review, comment, all that good stuff over there. It really does help out the show, so thank you in advance to those of you that are going to head over there and leave a review. We really, really do appreciate that. If you have guest suggestions or just want to reach out to Chris or I, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. Hope you guys are off to an amazing start of your week. We've got exciting episodes coming out in the near future. So we will see you guys next week.